Hello, Monetization Nation. Ben Stein said that, quote, personal relationships are the fertile soil from which all advancement, all success, all achievement in real life grows, unquote. Relationships aren't just important in our personal lives. Review 42 reported that 85% of positions are filled through networking and 70% of people found a job through connections in a company. So how do we build strong relationships in our business? Craig Earnshaw started off as the founder of LifeLink. He sold the company in 2004 and currently works as a startup investor. He is also currently a professor of entrepreneurship at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. Specialized in teaching IT entrepreneurship, a, a lot of work with the subscription business model. In this episode, Craig and I will discuss secrets of successful business relationships. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan Gwilliam, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. So I have with me today, Craig Earnshaw. Craig started off as the founder of LifeLink Corporation. Back in 2004, he was able to have an exit and, and sell a very successful venture. He's since been an angel investor and has hit some, some great home runs with companies he invested in in the very early stages that have been uh, incredibly successful. Uh, he currently is a professor of entrepreneurship, specializing in teaching uh, IT or, or digital type entrepreneurship, software entrepreneurship, I guess the right way to say that, um, at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, when I talked with you earlier, you said you had a couple of stories that, that you wanted to share about credibility, maybe companies that were able to increase or lose credibility? Um, so the first, not really a story, but it's really a philosophy. Um, when I had my company, we, we got to, we were a small company. We only got to about 40 employees, but even so when you onboard a new employee, I felt it was really important to give them the values of the company. And I used to, talk about a couple of our values, but then I would end the, the presentation or the, the pitch even, if, if you will, to the employee. And I, and I said, and, and finally, I'd like to talk to you about honesty. We, we believe and require of you absolute and complete honesty in everything that you do with LifeLink. And especially I'd like you to think about your honesty in regards to three different parties. The first party is yourself. So we would like to ask you to be absolutely honest with yourself. And what do I mean by that? If you are not capable of the job that we're asking you to do, then tell us. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to fake it. Just say, I, I need help. I promise we'll give you help. I mean, I've hired geology, kids with geology degrees and, and other weird degrees, and we've made them developers here or, or client services people in LifeLink. And so we're not going to necessarily fire you. We, we want to help you. We want, if, we, we went to the, to, if you got through our first filter and you got hired, we want to keep you. 
So be honest with yourself. Second, be honest with your team. Same thing. Honesty in the, in your, in the team helps you to create a camaraderie and a working environment that we like. So again, don't fake it, ask for help and be honest with your team. And then third, and probably most important for the, from the company side is absolute honesty with our customers. As an aside, let me go as an aside, you can guide me however you want. But um, one of the things that I'm, I'm probably the most proud of in my 25 years of running LifeLink and LifeLink sold to all of the biggest life insurance companies in the country. So we had an illustration system that helped insurance agents sell life insurance. And our clients were Prudential, New York Life, Mass Mutual, all the biggest names you've ever, you heard of with regards to life insurance. 35 of the top 50 used WinFlex, which is our illustration product. It was the standard for high-end illustrations. That's a dangerous world to work in. Giant companies trying to help them sell a complicated product. All kinds of mistakes can be made and, and, and the liabilities are actually quite large. Here's the punchline. In 25 years, I never sued, nor was I ever sued by any customer or employee in running my business. I was never sued. I, I was never, I never had a lawsuit in 25 years. That is amazing. And, and now I'm going to give you the reason which I believe for that. And this was the thing that I would then ask my employees to do, which is the second thing. The most important thing that you can do as an employee of LifeLink, but for this conversation, the most important thing that you can do in your life, really, is to manage expectations. And here's the best way I can frame that for you. Um, I'm not much of a salesman. I started my career straight out of BYU, uh, trying to get into Harvard Business School. And instead of taking a job as a programmer, which was my degree, I took a job as a life insurance salesman because they said they were doing small business consulting and I thought that would help me get into Harvard. Well, it didn't help me get into Harvard actually <laughs> because I never I applied twice and didn't get in. But it did show me, a, um, it introduced me to an industry that needed some computer work. So I broke away from selling and started writing programs to help insurance agents sell insurance I ended up doing that for 25 years. So I couldn't sell. I couldn't sell insurance and I actually couldn't really sell my stuff. I, I just went to agents. Initially we were selling to agents. I went to agents, told them what we have and, and said, so I think we should help you. And they'd say, okay, or no. And I didn't know what else to do besides that. But anyway, as we got more sophisticated, we're, now we're selling the companies. This was my favorite line as I, as I would meet with the company we would get to talking and in some place we'd get in the, in the talking about the contract itself. And I would say, well, look, let me just pause for a second. And I want you to understand something. This only works if we have a partnership with you, you have to tell us what you need. And then we have to try to deliver that to you. And I want you to remember that we're just the dumb software guys. And it turns out that was my that was my favorite phrase in my career. I, I don't think I ever had a client where I didn't say that to him 
at least 10 times. Well, don't forget, we're just the dumb software guys. And, and I, when I teach my class, I tell them that story. And I say, so why would, I, why would I tell a client that we're just the dumb software guys? And I get a few hands going, well, we don't know. In fact, yeah, good question. Why would you ever do that? And I say, well, the answer is really simple. Let me give it to you this way. My competitors are out there telling this story. Hello, Mr. Insurance Company. We're ABC Life Insurance Systems, and we're the smartest guys on the planet. We have the coolest software. We always deliver on time, and we don't have any bugs. So that's pitch A. And then along comes LifeLink, giving them pitch B. Um, well, we do our best, but actually, I just want you to remember, we're the dumb software guys. We make mistakes and sometimes we're late. Our software is going to have bugs, but if we if we communicate if we communicate and cooperate, your agents will be very happy with this system. And guess what? When you set expectations that low, you can always over deliver. So that was my goal: under promise set the bar low and then over deliver. And by the way, that's what keeps you out of courtrooms. Setting the bar low. That's really cool. So being transparent and honest, but doing it in a very timely manner, doing it immediately. Yeah, both of those as early as possible. And, and I would put that all under managing expectations. Yeah. You know, if you think about your relationships, uh, any relationship that you have, um, if you're just honest and, and don't oversell, you can over deliver. But as soon as you, as you start promising the moon then you're in big trouble because you, nobody can deliver that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, one of the other experts I interviewed, he, he talked about it as, as saying no, how saying no is one of the best ways to give credibility as people ask for new features and ask you to do new things for you as you're able to, to say no, it actually gives you more credibility because you're not overcommitting and yeah, putting you couldn't agree more. That's part so of it. So many people are just too anxious to say yes, and and then they're they're not able to put their money. Yeah, right one, in their mouth. one of the other things that we did, we just we determined, um, and I, I love teaching this in my class. Also, I draw a pyramid, and I say, this is the this is the Worst life insurance agents at the bottom going to the, the very best at the top of the pyramid. And, and the pyramid kind of represents the numbers. There are a lot more crummy life insurance agents than there are good ones. So where do you think my market was in this pyramid? Who am, I, who am I trying to sell in that pyramid? And almost everybody will pick some place in, in the middle of the pyramid and draw a line saying, you're selling from here up. And I say, good start, but let me finish the thought for you. <laughs> the, you don't want to sell the bottom of the pyramid because they, they're, they're kind of casual. They're not full-time agents. They're, they're not worth the time. They're more trouble than they're worth. And so don't work, don't, and you're not going to make enough money off them anyway, so don't bother. And guess what? You don't want the very top of the pyramid either because the top of the pyramid is populated by people who are super demanding, who are used to having 
they want they want custom illustrations done for every presentation. They're used. To, they probably have a staff of six or eight people, and they they look to you as as another member of their staff. And no matter how hard you try, you can't make them happy. I tried for the first five or ten years of my career to make those guys happy, and then I finally woke up one day and said, I don't need them. I I want to sell a, a product that people use the same use the same illustration a thousand times a day. I don't want to be involved in custom illustrations. So we that's that's saying no. Somebody asks for a custom custom illustration, you say, uh, no, we don't do that. And if they say, well, you got to do that, and you say, no, because we can't make any money, no matter how much I charge you, that's hourly, and there's no money in hourly. Yeah. And when it's better for you, it's you have a better relationship with the client, and you're more credible uh, because you're you're meeting those expectations. Absolutely agree. I, who is the person that you that that you believe is most credible to you, and why is that person so credible? Uh, it, that's easy for me. My father is is the most credible person in my life. My dad is still alive. He's ninety four. Um, has never let me down in anything ever in my life. He um, he was bishop the whole time I was growing up, so I was always the bishop's kid, and I was never bothered by that. I was always proud of that. And um, and when he was released as bishop, when we let, moved away from Alabama, I, I actually grew up in Alabama of all places. When he was released as bishop. I remember sitting in that meeting, I think it was a testimony meeting. Uh, I don't know if that was, he was actually released that meeting or not, but there was a meeting where the, everybody in the ward stood up and said, what a wonderful guy, Bill Earnshaw, Bishop Earnshaw had been for them. And th that was probably one of the proudest moments of my life. So I always trusted him. He's never let me down. He's always had good advice and he's enabled me. I mean, when I was 15, I went to my dad. We didn't have a lot of money. He was a, he was an electronic sales, but, uh, and I didn't realize we didn't have a lot of money, but we didn't have a lot of money. But I went to my dad when I was 15 and I said, I want to get my pilot's license, which is a ridiculous thing for a 15 year old to say. You know, my dad said, I think that's great, Craig. Um, I'm gonna look around and see if I can find a way for you to get that done. And I don't know how he did it, but he found a guy who was a flight instructor who was building a plane in his garage. And the guy agreed to hire me for two hours of work. He would give me one hour of instruction. I didn't have to pay for any of my instruction. I had to pay for the plane only. And I got my license for a total of $400. Wow. I soloed on my 15th birthday, which is the first day that you can solo. And I got my license the week of my 16th birthday, which was the, you have to be 16 to get your license. So I know most parents, in fact, I probably, if my, if my son had said to me when he was 15, he wanted to get his license, I would say, uh, really? <laughs> but my dad did. My, dad's, my dad said, yes, how can, I, how can I help you have the life that you want to have? So one of the secrets is passion-driven connection. It's connecting with your target audience through their level 10 passions. 
And um, it sounds like that's exactly what your dad did. He found what was your level 10 passion, which was flying, becoming a pilot. And he figured how to help you achieve that. And by doing that, he associated himself with your level 10 passion and his credibility with you increased because he, he did that. Yeah, I really haven't thought about it that way, but I think, I think you nailed it, exactly. Yeah. And you also talked about, he, he, he gave great advice. Um, talk about that a little bit. How does great advice, so why is giving great advice something that makes, I mean, I guess that's, that's a no-brainer, because if you give great advice, you well, trust I actually, them to- Well, I think I can help you with that. So yeah. I would turn to a different person in my life. My best mentor in my life, in my business life, let's go that way, because my best mentor is my dad. But my, my, my business life, my best mentor was a guy named Walt. And we became acquainted because he was a customer. But I ended up actually officing in their office because we did so much work for them and, and the insurance company that they represented. And he was, he's dead now. He, let's see, he must've been 30 years older than me. I think that's about right. At least 25 years older. I have to think about that for a second, but he was, he was my, he was old enough to be my father. And uh, he used to, in the kindest way, he would tell me, you can't sell worth a darn or you can't present worth a darn, or you, you don't manage people worth a darn, or all of the things that he took interest in, and he helped me through each one of those. Um, we had an absolutely fantastic relationship. Probably best dis, dis, or encapsulated by, he took me to lunch all the time, and he would never let me pay for lunch. And I kept trying and trying and trying. And he would never let me pay for lunch. He just said, no, you'll, you'll have somebody that you're mentoring later in your life and you just buy their lunch. And so I never bought him lunch, but I, I have bought everybody else lunch since. Everybody. Tried to. Like when I, when I teach at BYU, every week when I go to BYU, I, go, I arrive on Tuesday during devotional and I will meet one of my teams, so there's two or three students from the class and I take them to lunch. That's I, before class, we have class at one and I, I take them lunch. And that's my favorite time is the, is the lunch is not necessarily the class time. Interesting. The secret to advice is you have to first gain credibility, which is your, what you're talking about. You have to establish credibility and then you can give the most hurtful advice or the most direct advice to whoever you're, you're mentoring because you've established a relationship and you can really help them. If you haven't done it. When they take that advice and their life improves because of that advice, then your credibility goes up. So giving people great advice actually helps increase your credibility. Yeah, but the hardest thing to do is to tell somebody where they're screwed up. Yeah. We, we often don't do that, right? We say, ah, oh, it's too much trouble. We, we, it's, it's too much effort to, to try to not hurt that per, per person's feelings. I mean, I've done this for three years as the YSA bishop. You know, I've got kids who are, not, are underemployed, kids who have annoying habits. 
which is the reason they're never going to get married because they, for example, they can't express themselves. When they talk, they talk for five minutes and don't say anything. And, and yet, even as bishop, you, it's a really hard thing to, to, to sit there and look at that kid and say, I know exactly what you need, to, what, what would help you a lot. I, don't, I shouldn't say I know what, what you need. That's, a, that's kind of condescending. But I know it would help you. And, and yet you can't do it because the bishop is a, that's a special relationship. But Walt established with me this incredible relationship. And I, I can tell you many times he said, you are all screwed up. You, you know, we went to, we went to a, a meeting at the insurance company and I had told him whatever and we would come back and I'd say, so that meeting was horrible. Here's what you need to do better. And I took all of it from him. I ate it up and, and, and made myself a better person because he had established his credibility. So I'm trying to think through this cause and effect thing. Is it that he had credibility that he could give advice or is it a two-step thing? He had to have yeah. credibility so you would listen. And then because you listened to his first advice and implemented it and it worked for you, his credibility then increased. It's almost like this ascending spiral. Yeah. That, that it worked, so you listened, or it, he gave advice, you listened, it worked, he had more credibility, so when he talked next, next time you listened even more, and it, that, that credibility spiral got higher. I would say it's exactly that, an ascending spiral, but the first step can't be advice, it has to be credibility. You have to establish a relationship okay. first. Love it. In these companies that you've invested in, uh, can you think of a company that saw great success because of something they did to improve their credibility? I have tried to understand podium success. I really, I really don't know how they've done it. <laughs> I mean, it's a company that just did a, a round that values them at a billion and a half dollars. So in wow. March, Google Ventures put $125 million into them at a, at a a billion and a half valuation. And all they do is manage, help companies manage relationship with their customers. So they originally did, they started out doing customer surveys. So VCs invariably, and I as an angel investor will, will look way closer at somebody who's on their second or plus business. Mm -hmm. If this is your first rodeo, then yeah, we'll talk to you. But if you're telling me that you either already had an exit or else you had a really good run, or even if you had a bad failure, if you've been through it once and you're back to try it again, you have, you have automatic and instant credibility with me. Interesting. I think if you read articles uh, about venture capital, you'll, you'll find that that's the case. VCs, and uh, other investors love repeat entrepreneurs. Although the funny thing is the second time around, a lot of entrepreneurs don't need the money like they did the first time around. They're in a different spot. I yeah, guess it's a good there's, exit. There's some of that, but, but there's a lot that aren't. These are small exits a lot of people get. Yeah. Or maybe even not much of an exit at all, just a few exit you know we got out of that one and now now we need to try something else yeah that's right
Thank you so much, Craig, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, we must be honest with ourselves, our teams, and our customers to help each other and build a great working environment. Number two, don't overcommit. It is much easier to overdeliver on our promises when we set the bar lower initially. Number three, the potential customers on the low and high ends of our pyramid are often not worth the effort it takes to sell to them. If we focus on the middle of the pyramid, it is often the sweet spot of our ideal customers. Number four, our credibility can increase if we can connect through level 10 passions in our relationships. Number five, in order to give good advice, we must first establish a relationship and credibility with those we're advising. Once we do that, they'll be more likely to listen to and trust our advice. When the advice works, it helps to further increase our credibility. If you enjoyed this interview and want to connect with Craig, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile on the blog for this episode. Uh, did you enjoy this episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free monetization assessment of your business at monetizationnation.com forward slash assessment. Number two, you can subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com forward slash e-magazine. You can also subscribe to the Monetization Nation YouTube channel or podcast, or you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts. What are the most successful ways to build business relationships? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I hope you have a fabulous day. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.